Irony. Irony. I roll. Ow! Oh, yeah. Howdy, everybody. I'm Robert. And I'm Ira. And this is Anti-Wave. Yes, it is. A podcast all about the extremely wicked, shocking, vile, and evil movies that Hollywood just won't make. Well, that's <laughs> that's that's really good because the movie we're going to be discussing today is extremely wicked, shockingly evil, evil, and vile. And vile. Yeah, yeah. I remember when you sent me that text for the first time at week, and I said, "Are you naming three movies?" <laughs> yeah. I thought th- with commas. I thought there were three different movies. We're going to have a lot to say well, about this movie and its title. Hey, oh, and also we should mention our, our top, top five, five yeah. which is escape movies. Escape movies, which we haven't done. I'm so surprised, surprised we haven't. I, I checked. Yeah, we haven't done escape movies. No escape movies. Hey, last. No week we had some people who wrote in uh with some hostage movies hostage movies i remember last week we talked about hostages but a few that we didn't mention uh dead calm have you seen dead calm i loved that film how could we did we didn't mention that how why didn't we i don't know i love that was nicole kidman yeah uh, on the water on yeah. the boat was it that sam neill real, yeah it was sam neill it was sam neill very yeah, australian and it was um a really good movie yeah a few yeah. others uh i spent on your grave misery i saw i spent on your um grave. Ruthless People. That's a good yeah, one, too. Have you seen Ruthless People? Oh, yeah. I love that film. That's a good movie. These are really The Way the ones. Gun is pretty good, too. I never saw that. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good movie. Yeah. Uh, what else we have? Uh, Split. Yeah, that we, we talked yeah, about that. on. We, we, we saw, saw that, that yeah, on this yeah. uh, podcast. Dog Day Afternoon. Yeah, uh, Captain that. Phillips. I yeah. talked about that. Yeah. yeah. Argo. But there Hard some... Candy. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Definitely I performed a, a speech movie. about Hard yeah, Candy. Yeah, you did. An interpretation. A duo interp. Nice. Hey, there you go. Getting these letters. Good. Hey, we got a little baby in the background. Yeah, we do. Look hey, Ira, baby. can I tell you some cool stuff? Tell me, tell me, tell me. All right, so this week has been pretty uh, transformative in raising a baby. Transformative? Mm. How so? She's come online more. Like, So she's getting to the point now where she can recognize you. Not you, but me. I'm her dad. Not you. I'm not? No. Robert, there's something <laughs> we need to tell you. Yeah, this is the thing I need to tell you. <laughs> you are not the father. Uh, so she, she's, she can recognize you and... Uh, and I started howling at her the other day. So we're trying to work on vowel sounds. And so I started doing, ow! Hey there, little red riding hood. You are yeah. looking. So I, <laughs> it's a good way to get your little singing in there. I, uh, I howled at her. And, she, and? S- she recognized and she started trying to do it back. And she can't yet. Like she doesn't have full control over her mouth. But she'll do like, Oh, that is so It's adorable. And she smiles super big. She's got a killer smile. So she's starting to smile more often and everything else. It's, it's great, Look man. at her. Look, jo- Producer Joey and I were saying that she's no longer a, a newborn. She's yeah. a baby. She's a baby. She's a baby. Look at her. Yeah. She's getting big, too. Yeah. Yeah, look at that thing. She won't, she won't even fit into like the uh, little newborn clothes anymore. Not by a long shot. She started really? running out and stuff. Yeah. Outgrowing all the... What do you do with that clothes that... She no longer. Well, we burn it, you know. We don't want anybody else getting her good vibes. You you're understand very, that, you're right? You're very territorial. Yeah, you? exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, no one else should have this. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, some there's some places that you can sell them. Uh, there's some stores around town that will buy them from you. A lot of the stuff that's uh, like the cheap kind of J.C. Penney, Carter's clothes, whatever, whatever they'll. Uh, there are some places online that will take it and sell it for you, uh, kind of like a, a clothing resale places. Mm. And whatever they don't take, we just wind up giving to Salvation Army. Or nice. we'll just save it for the next kid. Oh? Mm. Oh? 
I don't think Madeline's going to be the only one. Ooh. And I want to break it to you. Joanna's pregnant. Yeah. So soon. Why am I the only one applauding? So soon? (laughs) What do you mean? Can it work that way? It can. Could she get pregnant again? Yeah. Producer Joey, could you get pregnant? Is that physically possible at this point? Yes. Really? Yeah, she can. Wow. I got that good of a dick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Look, yeah, so look there you how go. Cute. Look, 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 look. They're cute. I love how you say your daughter. I love how you say on look, look, look on a podcast. <laughs> I know, I know. But I really love the expression you used, Robert. At the beginning of this conversation, you said my my daughter's online. Yeah. Said, and it's interesting you used a digital world term. Term. Well, I just mean she's coming. The, she's connected. Yeah. She's connected. She's connected she's, to she's the rest of the world. world. Yeah. yeah. All right. I love it. Hey, man. How's your yes. week? My my. I got nothing to report. No, it's all about you and your growing, evolving family. I'm just here because you're my only friends. Awesome. Well, on that note, what did you, you see this week? <laughs> Are you saying it's time for? Uh, got, uh, it's time for, yeah. uh, what am I doing? Yeah. Some are old, some are new. We now present the Week in Review. Who's going to go first? I'll go first. Good. Let's hear it. Uh, I watched the Hobbit movies. You all know, a few weeks ago, I watched all of the Lord of, Lord the, Rings of the Rings movies. Right. I now watched all the Hobbit movies. I hadn't seen the last two. How do they hold up? Do they look dated? Yeah, the I feel like the CG for these movies was I feel like they skimped a little bit. They went a little too CG heavy, and um, man, it just it shows. Um, they weren't bad. I mean, they were they were good. They were they did what they were supposed to do, but they were just okay. Hmm. Uh, I the Lord of the Rings movies were better, I think, but the uh, the Hobbit movies were they're okay, I guess. There's a lot. There's several times I'm going. What's going on again? Like it's just, it's confusing. How it's, many were there? The Hobbit. Movies. Three Hobbits. Three. Hobbits. They took the one book and stretched it out to three, right. uh, three movies. Right. Yeah. But Lord of the Rings, I think, was three books, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. 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 That's right. Can you say the titles? Uh, Fellowship so, of the Ring. Yes, that was one. The two, two Lord towers, Lord Twin Towers. Twin, very good. The Two Towers, I think it was yeah. not Twin Towers. That would have that, no, that was September eleventh. No, and then uh, Return of the King, or is that the Return of the Spaceman? Whatever. Return of Space. Yeah. Peter Jack. Did he direct all those? Yeah, he did. Yeah. All of them. I also watched uh, Live Die Repeat, the Tom Cruise movie. I watched that. I liked that film it's a good. lot. Yeah. Isn't it good? I like that film. They changed the title. Yes. Uh, we talked about this. It was called Edge of it Tomorrow. It used to be called Edge of Tomorrow, which, which sounds is, like a soap opera. It's, a, it's an it awful title. It sounds like a soap opera. Because it's so forgettable. The Edge of Tomorrow. And I'd always have to think... The, oh, the, what does that mean? I hate that name. I, I understand it. Of course, we understand it when you see the movie. Right. You're on the edge of... But I guess. I love... What's it called now? Those three words? Live, L- die, repeat. Repeat. That's a clever title. Emily and, Blunt... Well, go ahead. You when talk, we were you watching talk. it, I turned to Joanna and I said... If they don't call the sequel, because you know I've heard they've been talking about a sequel. Yeah. I said, if they don't call the sequel "Live, Die, Repeat, Repeat," <laughs> then they are missing. That's like a dumb, huge and dumber, opportunity. dumb and Dumber Two. <laughs> Guess what they're calling the sequel? "Live, Die, Repeat, Repeat." Really? Yes. Wow. Sorry, and repeat. It's "Live, Die, Repeat, and Repeat." That's clever. So it is in production. Yeah, I think they're shooting it now. And Tom is coming back with I Emily. Think so? Yeah. Yeah. It was really a nifty movie. I really enjoyed it. Was it was just fun. And yeah. it was, it, again, it was with, we talked about this before about uh, Tom making choices in his movies. And they're really, he's, he's, what am I trying to say? 
Well, I know you're not a fan of Minority Report. We've talked about that. Right. I am. I am. But he makes smart choices in the films he makes, and they're they're solid entertainment. I think he also knows. I I don't think anybody uh, puts as much into their films as Tom Cruise does, yeah. even if it's an action film that would be like a write-off, like ah, uh, whatever. It's just a quick action movie. Yeah, committed. There's exactly. Your and he's going, no, we don't. We don't do anything half ass. It's all got to be full commitment. Yeah. And I really believe that. I think he's, even if it it's something that would just be a popcorn candy movie, he goes, no, we're going to do the best right. popcorn candy right. movie we can do. Absolutely. Yeah. And Emily. I have a crush on Emily Blunt. You know that. Nah, I'm yeah, pretty sure. Yeah, if, okay. if she has two legs and a heartbeat, you have a crush on her. Well, that might be true. Don't look at my daughter like that. Too late. Mm-hmm. That's why you're not changing diapers. Oh. Uh, so yeah, but I, I really enjoyed that I'm movie. I'm glad you saw that. Yeah. And yeah. for the record, I, I think Minority Report is a movie that I probably should go back and rewatch. I wasn't a huge fan of it, but uh, you know, as I've said on this podcast a few times, I think it's important that we go back and reevaluate every, every once in a while and go, am I sure I didn't like this movie or is it just, was it in the, at the time when I saw it, I thought I wasn't in the right mood or what, you know? Right. Right. Maybe you'd give it a second chance and like it, you know? I think that's an important part of movie going. I do too. Uh, Live, Die, Repeat is one of those movies. If it's showing on TV, I prompt. Well, I'll just watch the first ten minutes, and, and you I get, get sucked in. Dude, that's that's a perfect yeah. example of that kind of movie, and where you just get hooked on it. it really all over does. Again. And I find the same thing with Groundhog Day. Are there other movies that use that same device? Yes. Like well, what? The, oh, are there others besides those two? No. Groundhog Day. Is uh, the only we're going to get people writing in, going, "Oh Good. yeah, there are." Let's hear from. Where, do you, where do you keep repeating, repeating, repeating the same day over and over again? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's the the Valentine's Day movie? The whole, what's it called? The, There's a movie called Valentine's Day. No, 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 no. It came out on Valentine's Day. It was the Happy Birthday. What's that, what's that called? We watch it, Producer Joey. What's that called? Happy Death Day. Happy Death Day. Oh, and that repeated? Yeah, she, it, and it's got the same kind of catchy... I I found it enjoyable. It's one of these movies that if I came in, I'd be like, "Oh yeah, I remember this thing," and just I would watch it. Isn't it crazy how you watching somebody repeat and repeat, repeat the same day is infinitely watchable? Yeah. yeah. Well, yes, it is. That's what crazy. does that say? I don't know. By the way, I just thought of another movie that could fit into that your question, mm-hmm. and that would be Fifty First Dates. Kind of. Yeah. It's a little bit of a cheat. Yeah. It's a cheat where Drew Barrymore's character forgets, right? She right. has short-term memory loss, so she's got to go on that first date again and again and again with Adam Sandler. Yeah. Right. So that kind of fits your question. Well, if we're going really. there, we might as well go Memento. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really glad you saw that again. Yeah. 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 All right. What'd you I watch? Me. Here's what I saw. I happened to stumble upon 1986's uh, Reanimator. Did you ever see it? Uh, I did. It's, it's been a long it's, time, it's, though. It was it a comedy? I think it was a com- It was cheesy. It was cheesy and kind it's of like silly. It's like a dark comedy. It's a dark... Uh, with, what's murder. His name? Lovecraft. Is that a guy's name? Yeah, yeah. The author, right. And murder. And it was um, very cheesy. And I think it was supposed to be kind of funny, sort of. Robert, once again, I watched the last third of The Happening. Mm. What a piece of shit. What a, what a piece of shit. 2008 with M. Night doing his thing again. And even the, the ending, you know, which was, which was then all of a sudden we're in, we're in France in the gardens at, besides the Louvre, next to the Louvre, and everybody freezes. They, remember that last shot? They, no, they Everybody freezes. And oh my God, the plants are doing it again. What a stupid, dumbass movie. <laughs> it's almost like you really feel. Now, the other extreme. I watched, you turned me on to this film I'm about to mention, mm-hmm. you and producer Joey, 
Freeway. I think this was like a year and a half ago. Yeah. And you introduced me to that movie, and it was on TV, 1996, with uh, Reese Witherspoon and Keanu um, Sutherland. It's everything that The Happening is not. <laughs> That's I know I'm comparing two films that have nothing in common, but it is everything that The Happening is not. It, it's so compelling, and it crackles. It, it crackles. You know what I mean. I do know what you yeah. mean. Yeah, and it's just... I think it's the best black. thing she's ever done. I do too, because I'm not a fan. She, Reese is always Reese. Do yeah. you know what? She's always... She's fine for what she is, but yeah. as a great actress, no, she's a personality. Even in likeable. Walk the Line, when she was uh, Carter... What's her right, name? Right, right, right. What's his name? Uh, yeah, uh, Johnny Cash. Yeah, Carter yeah. Carter Cash, right? Yeah. No, name? well, it was her first name. Anyway. Anyway. In Walk the Line, she was... I felt, still felt like she was her. I didn't feel like she was really. She I got an Oscar for that, but yeah. she, right? Did she, did she win or did she? Yeah, win? I think she won. Wow, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Was June Carter? Is that what yeah. it was? Yeah, What's Mrs. Carter. We'll just call her Mrs. Carter. She was <laughs> Reese, but she was not Reese in Freeway. I love Freeway. Yeah, I love Freeway. And then the fourth and final film I want to mention is yeah. something you sent me home with last week. I did. Grey's Anatomy. Okay. Wow. Okay. Wow, wow. This is a monologue. It's like an oral interpretation. Yes. And I want to say that with your, I think your favorite director, if he didn't direct this, I could see it being very... Mm, like uh, it's it's almost like like mm, it would what just get mean? very it would mean that it would just get a maelstrom of stuff and the storytelling but the visuals made it work you had these abstract colors behind him that supplemented his words it was just one guy talking it was the entire one time. it was one guy talking I, I suppose there are some like, quick interviews with other people yes there were at the beginning a little bit in the middle and then at the end yeah. with people who had similar eye surgery right. and, and were, were told to go through these interesting procedures. He's like a um, a non-Jewish Woody Allen. Yes, a, that's what I was saying. A, a non-Jewish Woody Allen with the angst, the neurosis, and seeing the close-up shots of him talking. It reminded me very Woody Allen-like. It was... Um, it was funny. I was laughing out loud yeah. a number of times, but it was also very self-indulgent. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I. And here's the question I have for you. I, I'm really glad you... I, I liked it, but I mean, you're hearing hesitation in my voice. But my question to you is, how come you're such a fan of this film, yet you didn't like my dinner with Andre? And I think they're very similar. Okay. That's a real good question. I felt like... My dinner with Andre, they were talking in the abstract the entire time. It was it was all abstract con- con- concepts. Whereas with this, it was it was concrete storytelling. It was I went here, I did this, I said that, I picked this up. I did it's it's, it's more in the active voice. Right. And and you can visualize what he's talking about. You yes. can imagine it. Um what they were talking about in my dinner with Andre is, don't you think people do this? No, I think people do that. And, well, why do we do this kind of thing? Well, we do that. And they might tell a quick story, but then we'd quickly get lost in moving on to another point. I also felt like there was no cohesive theme to my dinner with Andre. That's right. It, it was a potpourri, potpourri of stuff. Yeah, this did have a through line. It did have a thread. Mm-hmm. He was the thread. Sure. His own experiences. But his eye the was the thread and his own neuroses about his right. health. Right, right. By the way, a piece of trivia too. Remember, I was talking about the TV, great the book, the TV show, and then of course this movie, Grey's Anatomy. This is with an A Y. The TV show is with an E Y. I just oh, wanted, I just wanted to say that to you. But here's well, the it's thing. because his name is Spalding Gray. Yeah, that's right. right. That's right. Which makes the title even more clever. You know, of course, you know this that he committed suicide. Yes. 
And, and Soderbergh made a movie that, about him I, after he died. Yeah. 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 I, I read about that. I did some research on this. But knowing, I mean, he, he talked about his, his mother committed suicide. Right. And knowing this now and watching the movie back, it adds another layer. I agree. It, I it, had not seen the movie since he committed suicide um, until recently. And that's, you know, I brought it up on the show. And it really does add another layer to it. I think you're right. Yeah. And it's kind of sad. Um, I mean, we. I don't think we talk enough about uh, about that issue. We. I think America gets stuck so much on on other issues, issues of race and gender, and and um, and, and and maybe a little bit of, of class issues. I think we've talked about a lot of that on this on this podcast before. And and I have a distaste for talking about those issues ad nauseum. But suicide is a very real issue, and you know the, the people that uh, that it affects. It, it's not the only person that is affected by their suicide. In other words, when someone commits suicide, you're affecting other people—the friendships and the loved ones that you leave behind. And in this case, committing suicide seems to be almost genetic, and there there's a genetic predisposition anyway. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, here's a man who's, and as you know, as he performed this in theater yeah. in in New York and so on, and he's successful. Uh, this married and and making these films that are unique, and then to choose to end his life young, Robert. He was uh, 62 when yeah. he uh, intentionally drowned. He uh, ended his life. That seems I, like an just, awful way it's, to it's, go. It's, it's the most horrible way to end your life. Would you rather? Yeah. I no. Would, no. Hold on. Okay, Listen go. to my question. I know what you're going to say. No, you don't. You don't know what I'm going to ask. Well, it's going to be an either or with right. suicide and how to do it. Right. Right. Okay. So let me. Would hear... you rather drown? Yeah. yeah. The answer is yes. Sorry. Just give you a hard it's time. It's not a yes. It's a this or that. Yes. <laughs> I'm saying yes. Would you rather drown or die by being burned alive? I can't have sleeping pills. No, no sleeping. Pills. What about a gunshot? Uh, no you're, gunshot. You're limiting me to those two. Drowning or fire? I actually think drowning is the worst. Would would be the most not being able to breathe. Well, wait, burning alive. Yeah, these are at the very bottom of the rung. As far I know. as if we were named five or six ways to end your life, yeah. these would be at the very bottom. And you know, I think about sometimes, it, just every once in a while, probably like every couple of weeks, I'll think about the the Buddhist monks in Vietnam that immolated themselves and just walked into the middle of the square. I think about that and put kerosene all over themselves and just lit themselves on fire. God. And you know, there were a lot of other people who had, uh, who had killed themselves as protest uh, during this, the Vietnam War. That's we don't right. talk about them as That's much. Right. That's right. They set themselves on fire. Yeah. Well, some of them did. There were other people who would just, uh, who would go outside political buildings and commit suicide as an act of protest. Like they might shoot themselves in the head or something like that. It's, it was kind of crazy that there right. were a lot of those. But protests. shooting yourself in the head, getting back to your core question is, would be quick. Right. Quick. It's messy, but it's quick. But man, drowning versus burning to death. Mm. It's also, I guess, easier. You know, you're pulling a little trigger versus the pain of feeling your flesh burn off and knowing what's going to happen. Like being burned alive at the stake. Could you, it's just smelling your own feet on fire. Ugh. That's pretty rough. Well, uh, yeah. Spalding. But on that note, let's talk about Ted Bundy. Yeah. <laughs> Good segue. So Grey's Anatomy, thank you for turning me on to it. Thank you for sending me did you like the last it? I, I did, but you're hearing hesitance in my voice. And I it was it was I found it I, I found it 
oddly compelling. Uh-huh. I found it fascinating. I was on board with this trip. Uh-huh. I was on board. I was for the. It's a short movie, by the way. It's it under is. ninety minutes. Right. It's eighty something minutes, and uh, it took me for a ride. It took me for a ride, and I guess I did enjoy it. Uh, it's. it's I think like what no I like. Other movie I've ever seen. Right, and to me, that's what I like about it. I like that it's not like any other movie that I can really name. Even my dinner with Andre, that's set in a sense of realism where they are in a restaurant and we're we're to believe that these two people are actually having a real conversation at a real restaurant. And this has this fantastical element to it. It feels uh, part part documentary, but also not documentary at the same time. It's uh, performative. It's like it's... It's kind of crazy. It's yeah. it's autobiographical, and yes. yet it's made by somebody else. It's yes. very anything you want to say about it. It kind of wiggles out of. It's a performance piece, and I like the minimalist set. Yeah. Where is it a wooden desk, a spiral notebook, a lamp, an old school lamp, and, and yet and, and a pen in his hand. Intricate sets, yes. and had beautiful camera movements. Yes. There were blues and reds yeah. that created patterns. He's talking about his loss of vision. Yeah. And it supplemented what we were hearing. Anyway, if you haven't checked it out, check yep. out Grey's Anatomy. It's a really cool movie. Uh, and it's worth worth watching. All right. Agreed. Ira. Robert, talk us through it. Okay. So, Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile uh, is a 2019 Netflix movie that details the uh, love life of Ted Bundy, the uh, famous American serial killer. That's pretty much the whole movie. It kind of uh, follows the, the main love of his life uh, and, and throughout his whole murder spree. And it doesn't really focus so much on the murders. But there's something I want to say before we get into this movie, which is um, I think I'm about to be very hypocritical. Uh, because I have kind of a belief about this, and I might have shared this with you, but I can't remember if I've talked about it on this podcast or not. I have a problem with films that kind of um, that add to the mythology of serial killers, real so- serial killers. I don't mind movies like Halloween because there's no... Uh, Michael Myers is a character. He's part of our mythology. He's part of uh, Americana, in a We've way. We talked about... I don't know if it was on the podcast or not, but yeah... That I don't mythology, like, it, it like um, it's heroizing it, it, him. It, it's 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 making him into this cultural hero, Ted Bundy, and part of it too. I've I've done research on these uh, on serial killers. And I've done te- research on Ted Bundy. You know, I've read uh, you know uh, the Stranger Beside Me, which is the the book by Anne Rule, who knew Ted Bundy, uh, but and worked in the Suicide Hotline with him, and didn't and she was looking for the killer. She was a former police officer and journalist uh, who was tasked with trying to find who was killing all these people in Seattle. And she knew Ted Bundy and was basically looking for the guy who was killing people. And it was the guy that was right beside her at this suicide hotline. Um, so I've read her book. I've read uh, you know a lot of articles about him. And I think the reality of who he is is not what's depicted in this film. And it's not what people say about Ted Bundy. And it's not the, the mythology. When we talk about... Ted it tends to be that he's this brilliant guy and everybody liked him and he was so handsome, but that's not the reality. The reality is he wasn't bad looking, uh, but he wasn't especially smart. Uh, he didn't never made good grades. He never did very well in was school. Charming was he charming? He was charming in the sense uh, that people that people kind of liked him, but a lot of people were very creeped out by him. A lot of people, and there were many people who he tried to kidnap that said this guy gave me the fucking creeps. So. 
I think that's I, I think that's something that we don't talk about. Uh, is that he really creeped out a lot of people? Uh, he was a, a an alcoholic. He would run. He was drinking all the time. He would. Um, he even told people that when he was a kid, he would uh, just wander around town and and consume like a, a ton amount of, of alcohol and just stare at women through their windows. And when he was like eleven or twelve years old, he'd be walking around doing this stuff. He had a horrible home life. Uh, didn't know his dad. So all of these things aren't really talked about. We tend to think of him. And, and that's the problem that I have with this film. Even when I was watching it, I felt very uneasy watching this movie that was kind of adding to it. The hypocrisy of this podcast is that we're, we're now we're reviewing we're, a film. You're we're part of the problem. Right. You're part of the problem. And I get so that. So your issue, and you talked about this when we did the Dahmer movie. I yeah, think I saw I think the I Dahmer movie. That's yeah. where the same argument came up, your point of view, that we're, explo- we're capitalizing. Yes. Exploiting, capitalizing on it. Yeah. And adding to the problem. Yeah, and now and I want to do that again. I want to yeah. read you something um, because something that do you know who Trent Reznor is? I know you the know name. that name, right? Yeah, right Trent Reznor actually wrote something Wait, about Trent, was that Nine Inch Nails? Nine Inch Nails. Whoa! Yeah, very hey, good. Come on, Ira. are you impressed? Yeah, very How impressed. How do I do that? I don't wow. know, but that's good. I just startled myself for you. Uh, so Trent Reznor recorded uh, so probably the big breakthrough album for Nine Inch Nails was uh, called The Downward Spiral. That was in the like early, mid-90s, 93, 94. And when he recorded that album, I remember I was in high school when it came out, and everyone was talking about how uh, he recorded it at the Manson mansion, like the, the mansion where T- Sharon Tate was murdered. And everyone was like, oh, it's so dark, it's so twisted, and, and that was kind of... Um, a big element of what made the album so creepy and and it felt very like ooh man this is scary and he read something about it he said something about this later on he said uh, something about his experience and I'm going to read you a little bit from this is from Rolling Stone from 1997 he says my awakening about all that stuff came from meeting Sharon Tate's sister while I was working on the downward spiral I was living in the house where Sharon Tate was killed Then one day, I met her sister. It was a random thing, just a brief encounter, and she said, are you exploiting my sister's death by living in her house? For the first time, the whole thing kind of slapped me in the face. I said, no, it's just sort of my own interest in American folklore. I'm in this place where Mm. a weird part of history occurred. I guess it never really stuck, stuck me before, but it did then. She lost her sister from a senseless, ignorant situation that I don't want to support. When she was talking to me, I realized for the first time, what if it was my sister? I thought... Fuck Charlie Manson. I don't want to be looked at as a guy who supports serial killer bullshit. I went home and cried that night, and it made me see that there's another side to things, you know? It's one thing to go around with your dick swinging in the wind, acting like it doesn't matter, but when you understand the repercussions that are felt, that's what sobered me up. Realizing that what balances out the appeal of the lawlessness and the lack of morality and the whole thing is the other end of it, the victims who don't deserve that. And I think that was really well put. I mean, his experience of celebrating charlie manson he realized why the fuck am i celebrating this guy and i i have a problem with these kinds of films and i watch them i'm drawn towards them so this is a hypocrisy within myself i understand my own hypocrisy so i can't blame other people but i don't i don't like that people make these kind of films maybe we should stop this podcast now no let's continue (laughs) okay your point's well made do you understand what yeah, I mean? Of course I do. Of course I do. And yeah. I was the one that even suggested you see, this, this is your so idea. I, I'm, yeah. not, I'm certainly not you blaming anybody. You brought up the same point with, um, with, with Dahmer. Dahmer. You did. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That having been said, 
maybe if you can separate yourself from the, your, I can. that point of view. I'm pretty good at compartmentalizing. Yes, compartmentalize. And what did you think of the movie overall? Um, I actually felt like scenes were overacted. I felt like it was a little over the top at points. Uh, I Part of it, too, I guess I was... I, I definitely being knowledgeable about the the story and and the character of who he is. I, I think also kind of kept bumping me and, and pulling me out. I did think Zac Efron looked like Ted Bundy. I had to give him that. Like he yeah. really looked the part, and he did a good job. Yeah, I think he did he a really strong, nice job. He was really strong in the movie. Yes. I, I think it was some of the supporting cast who didn't. Um, man, some people, some of the supporting cast were terrific. Uh, Jeffrey Donovan, who was like his lawyer in uh, in Utah, was really really good. Um, you, you saw some of these little cameos of John Malkovich being I, in I there. I love that. And, and, I um, love that as a judge. Yeah. yeah, there's some really interesting uh, little cameos of people coming up. Um, I I felt like the female lead. I I didn't buy her. What Lily? What's her name? Yeah, Collins. You know, she's the Collins. daughter of uh, Phil. Oh, is it? Did Phil you know Collins? that? Yeah, no, Phil I didn't Collins' know. daughter, Lily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's done other stuff. But she, you felt, I bet you feel what? That she was a um, one-dimensional character, maybe? Yeah, that's exactly what it was. And, and uh, also, the Carol Ann Boone character, uh, Kaya Skoladerna. Skol- you were buying into her character? No, I just, I, I guess I didn't, I didn't really care about them. I also didn't feel like they portrayed Ted Bundy, and I don't think this is Zac Efron's deal. I think this is the writing issue. Um, there, were, there were two problems. Here's what it is. They didn't portray him as a a narcissistic person, and I think anyone in that position is going to be narcissistic. He murdered and then continued to murder. Thought that he could outsmart the police. You know, he has a, a huge ego to be able to believe that he can do all of this stuff, and I just didn't think the scenes were written that way. I, I think that Zach was trying to pull something out of his performance. But I also felt like there was a writing problem in that there were so many scenes. We've talked about this before when when you're trying to cover so much of somebody's life, like a huge 10-year span of somebody's life, and you're trying to distill all of these things down to one scene that talks about maybe you know a five-year process, and you're trying to get it all out in dialogue, and you're just trying to do so much expository work that you can't really discover the character. And um, I've been watching the act uh, which is a uh, an eight part miniseries uh, about the, this girl who killed her mother, and that does a much better job of just letting scenes breathe, and and we can enjoy the process and the 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 consideration that characters are having for their acts. And I don't think I ever got that from Ted Bundy in this movie. Um, we should mention that there's virtually no murders shown in this right. film, and I do so like that. How do you feel? Was it whitewashed? Was it too sanitized? But I think that was a refreshing approach. Yes, I do we too. didn't need to see those murders. I think the problem is either you need to make a fictional film and go for the murders. And I have no problem with any of that with with the violence, right? Or, but it's the respect of the person, and I think this movie tried its best to not fetishize that, to not make it into this. Um, oh yeah, let's watch Ted Bundy slash up some women. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That should be our drop. Let's let Ted Bundy slash up some women. <laughs> what do you think? I'm sorry, I've I been thought, talking a lot. No, no, I wanted to hear all this. I thought it was, um, I thought it was, I like the editing. I like there was some yeah. unique editing we saw, especially in the first third. It yeah. was like uh, I got it wasn't a conventionally linear movie, but it was like the going back and forth worked for me, and I thought it was a melodramatic. At yeah. times, I thought it was interesting, 
And then I also reacted this way. Why was this story made? Why was this movie made? I did react that way. That we already know this to be true. We've seen it in other versions. And was there a need to tell the story yet again? I think uh, I think the answer to that is I, I had done a little bit of research after I saw the movie. The the writer, I believe, had might have been the director. I'm pretty sure it was the writer. He had, as he was doing research, he found a book that was referenced quite a bit, uh, which was written by the 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 girlfriend and she released it in 1981 uh, sold a few copies and then they stopped printing it he found it read it and i think as the, he was doing his research for the bundy tapes which was another netflix special that came out last year i want to say that that dealt with a lot of um what what bundy was saying when he was in prison it's kind of a documentary about what he had done but also like these long rambling confessional tapes that he had left when he was doing research for that, he read the book, and then I think he contacted the woman uh, who this was about and said, can we make your book into a film? And she agreed. Now, I, from what I read, she did not want to see the movie. She didn't, she didn't watch it. She didn't want to be a part of any sort of press. When they went to Sundance, they asked her to come out, and she said, no, she doesn't want to be there. She doesn't want to be a part of the film. But she said that they said that she met with the main actress, and she was happy that the actress was taking the part. Uh, but she didn't want to continue to be in the spotlight. And I guess that makes sense. But I think that's why it got released now is they finally kind of got the rights to this book that had been, uh, it had a certain angle. You don't hear very often about the, the girlfriend of one of the most right. famous serial right. killers in right. history. Right, right, um, So that's what I was questioning. Melodramatic and also why was the movie made? Uh, yet I did find parts of it interesting. Yeah. Uh, I thought the music at times was, you know what bothered me? There were certain things that I thought the music was at times hokey or suddenly we got the pop, 70s pop music. Right. The escape yeah. where he escapes and all of a sudden we're here. I forgot the song, but you know the moment I yeah. mean. Yeah. We're all, and for me, that pulled me out where it was some cool hip It was a little too winky. Song. It was too winky. It was too winky. Yeah, I, I didn't like that. I like the fact that we didn't see the murders. I, I don't mean to jump. Well, this is going to be part of my anti-wave point, but I want to ask you a question. I've been waiting three days for this. Who's the protagonist? At first I thought, well, it's, it's Bundy. But then I thought, no, it's the wife. It's her girlfriend. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Girlfriend. The first. Yes. Yes. And because it's sort of told through her perspective. Sort of. Not completely, yeah. But it, and also, I know I'm jumping ahead here. She's the one who gets closure at the end, where she finally hears the truth when she visits him in the jail. Yes. Okay. Go with that. Who? who uh, that's a really that? great question, Ira. And I think this it might be one of the few times that I would say I think the protagonist shifts. I I can't think of very many of the wow, films. Wow, it but shifts. They're, I think it, it is Ted Bundy to begin at with. At the beginning, it is, but then it's her story. But she's not even growth. in it all that. Doesn't much. matter when that that was quite a moment, you know. When yeah. we should maybe along split writing the word hacksaw. On so the window. yeah, the big spoiler, the big twist at the end is she uh, brings a photo. That, now this is completely fabricated. This did not happen. Really? Yes. What did happen? She did get closure. Uh, in the book, she talks about how she did get closure with him on the phone, and she had a phone conversation with Ted Bundy, where in real life he 
kind of said, what is it that makes me so sick? And he was kind of talking to her and asking her questions and saying that he couldn't control it. He even admitted to killing her once, which I think was left out of this film. I'd love to have have him kind of depict that, but he tried to kill her um, by closing up the the flue on the on the um, on the fireplace, and then he put um, a towel. He rolled up a towel and stuffed it under the door to try to let all the flames that were in the house from the fireplace. Um, he thought the smoke would kill her. She was drunk and she was she's an alcoholic. I would have liked to have seen that. Yeah, I I wonder why. But I think they it. left it out because I think they wanted to show compassion between yeah. the two. But he's yeah. not a compassionate person. <clears throat> but at any rate, we should say the scene that you were talking about which was fabricated for the film, is she shows up with a picture of a crime scene and it's a headless body and she says, you know, what what did this? And he says, uh, animals did this, you know, and uh, it could have been animals. She says, animals don't do that. And he writes... On, we should say they're on the phone with a window separating them. Right, so that he's in prison. Right, Thank Go you. Ahead. I Thank you for bringing yeah. that up. And uh, he can't say because the phone's, phone conversation is being recorded. And so he draws on the glass between them he writes the word hacksaw and she now realizes that's what did this was a hacksaw he hacked the girl's head off right and that was a powerful moment and then she walked down the hallway and collapsed on the floor right of the, of the court house the the jail. jail jail house and um that's when i thought wait a minute this is her story yeah yeah it is because she had <laughs> she had that closure at the end yeah, but I guess I, I didn't feel I, close to her. And I think that's part of what kept me um, away from this movie. I, I did. I thought the movie was okay. <clears throat> it wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Uh, but we, I think you're touching on one of the things that really, I think, kept me at bay was I felt closer to Ted Bundy, and I don't want to feel close to right. Ted Bundy. Right. I, yeah. I, talking about anti-wave, I mean, in that sense, I don't. you're forcing me to... to Empathize. Empathize with the serial killer. Right. When right. I don't want to. Right. And, and I guess it made it creepier because it wasn't a a fictional serial killer. It's, I know this person actually existed. Was that a flaw of the movie? Is that a flaw of the movie? I think so. Yeah. If this had been a fictional character, I would have felt right more in line with right. it. But I right. think the fact that it's real disturbs me. I don't I don't want to be manipulated that right. way. Right. To celebratize, ce- celebrate this guy. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Hmm. Any other thoughts? What else did you think? Other points I want... By the way, I really like the judge who was calling him partner. Mm-hmm. And uh, and bless your heart, son. Yeah. That was... I just, think the guy actually did a lot of that, though. That's... Yeah. Well, that's They right, showed video the, of him in the, the closing the credits. credits. They showed that. And all that was taken verbatim. Yeah. Yeah. Bless your heart, son. You're a good man, and I hate to see you make these bad... Jo- wow. That was kind of odd. Um, by the way, Robert, I want, we should acknowledge there's really no backstory about why Bundy is the, was the way he was. Yeah. How about that? Uh, producer like Joey that. is saying that we actually we've got a phone call and you want to take the phone call right now yeah a phone call it, it's Ted Bundy this is our first Ted Bundy is Ted, on the line dead. so let's, let's hear from Ted Bundy let's, let's hear what he has to say Ted are you there can you hear us oh it's just it's just flames oh hi Ted how are you Robert what are you doing <laughs> I don't understand what you're doing because he's in oh. hell. He's burning in hell. Yeah. Is that what you're Ted, doing? How, how's it going down there? Ted, oh. wait, wait, here's a, Ted, save me a seat. <laughs> it won't be much longer. I'll be there soon, bud. Okay. Hitler said what? 
Oh. Uh, yeah. All right, well. Ted, Ted, are there like whores and prostitutes down there? Really? Yeah? That many? Wow. Oh, but you keep killing them. Okay. Well, do they go to heaven then? <laughs> they can be headless. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, say hi to Gorbachev for us, all right? All right. Nice talking to you. Right. <laughs> so anyway, there's that. All right. Other Some other supporting it. This is... this. I, uh, getting away from the crux of the movie, some minor points, but it really, it so pulled me out of the film when Jim Parsons, mm-hmm. uh, the actor who's in um, Big Bang Theory, seeing him as the judge and... No, as the lawyer. As the lawyer, as the lawyer. Did this happen to you, Robert, that because we know him so well as a TV personality, I was yanked out of the movie just like that and knowing, well, it's the kid from Big Bang Theory pretending he's a lawyer. It, it just did that to me. Yeah. I, I, it just pulled me out. And you know when else that happened? Uh, in the, um, last year's movie of Ocean's 8, when um, James Gordon was in another TV personality who I like a lot, a talk show host. And and there too, he played the part of the insurance agent. It was like, well, it's James Gordon acting now. But then, isn't that interesting? I reacted that way with these TV personalities. I think but TV does that. Actors. No, but I think TV I think does that. TV does that because it's more intimate and I know them more. And I also want to suggest to you that Jim Parsons... I, I'm not. A, I think he's kind of a one-note actor, right? And that he is gay, and those mannerisms come across in all of his roles. I don't know if he's a great actor, but because of who he is, it was just Jim pretending that he's a, a lawyer now. It just pulled me out like that. Yeah, anyway. I felt the same way, and yeah. I don't even watch Big Bang Theory. Yeah, but it still pulled me out. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think it's because we see those those actors in the the same role all the time. It's so hard for me to watch. Um. Uh. What's his name? Al Bundy in anything other than Ed O'Neill in anything other than You're Married right. with Children. Yeah. And yeah. then now he's done so much Modern Family. It's kind of like okay, but it took me a long time to get yeah into that. And remember, I don't know if you remember, but there was a time in like the early two thousands where they re uh they rebooted Dragnet, and sure. he was the main detective in right. that show. Right. And I enjoyed it, but at the whole time I'm going, oh, dude, it's Al Bundy in right. Dragnet, right? Right. You just associate people with this role. More so in TV than yes. in feature films and theaters. And that Isn't might that be because you're watching... So, I mean, TV, if you if you count up how many hours you've spent watching a TV show, it's really hard to break that. There are some exceptions to people who can do that. I right. think uh, you know Brian Cranston has broken that. Yes. Um, yes. But there are, yes. there are a few, but not many. Right. right. Most people get, get pigeonholed into a, a certain role. Anyway, yeah, pulled me out. Pulled me out. Um, <laughs> any other comments on the film? Yeah. Is it anti-wave? You, oh, yeah. Money shot first or anti-wave? What do you no, we'll do, do, we'll do money shot Should first. Should we do money shot? Do you have a money shot? I think my money shot is going to... is. Look, I at was, your, look at your daughter. She is so cute. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to... Break. I said money shots and you said my daughter. <laughs> look at her. Uh, yeah. She's been, a little person. Yes, like she's like almost she's like, like a real human she's being. She's like almost a real human... Look at her. Okay, all right sorry this is a great pod <laughs> everybody look at robert's daughter <laughs> all right so my money shot i would say uh I, I think my money shot is actually in a movie that's filled with no murders finally seeing a murder seeing the dead body the severed head when she finally flips this uh this picture around to show ted bundy that was definitely a um 
that was a money shot from me. Uh, so it should be pointed out that there was a detective who kind of knew that it was Ted Bundy and gave her uh, this image, and she'd been sitting on it for 10 years. And I was kind of wondering what's inside the envelope that he gave her because yeah, we never yeah, really see yeah, it. Yeah. And finally it pays off toward the end of the film. So, yeah. And I think dry, drawing Hacksaw into the – that whole moment yes, really worked for agreed, me. Agreed. Agreed. That was the best part of the movie. Yeah. That was the best part of the movie. It was a big reveal. It was and the way they reveal. did it The was way they did it. Yes. Edited well. It was all together. Yeah. 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 What do you think? I have a money shot. Too. I like yours a lot. However, the one I came up with was early in the movie when he realizes that he's in he's in deep shit and he's um it's a tight shot on Zach Efron and the camera's on his face and slowly goes up higher almost to the point where it's looking down on his head where we hear the joys the judge's voice saying, "Therefore, yeah. I rule in favor of the defendant pause to stand trial." And that was the I rule in favor of the defendant like yeah. to stand trial and you see Zac Efron's reaction it's very subtle right but it was effective on one shot with the camera slowly going higher looking down I think it's him. the opposite because it was higher and then it starts to oh, go right, lower right. you're right and then we end up beneath him yes you're right yeah I remember that shot that was a really interesting shot yeah it was yeah because it started out of focus and it was a very interesting right. shot that kind of came right. out of nowhere yeah shut that baby up hey keep that kid quiet jeez <laughs> Your kid's an embarrassment. Uh, look at her now. Yeah, that's right. Wow. Okay. Puncher. <laughs> Antiwave. I've, you go first this time. I, okay, I, I, first okay. of all, oh. I think that it has to be Antiwave because it's about a real serial killer. I don't think many studios will get behind this. These other films that have, if you look historically at a lot of these other uh, kinds of films that have come out, I think uh, there's been a few Ted Bundy movies Um uh, the guy who played Parker Lewis can't lose. I think portrayed him in a film. Um, there's been there's been a handful of these. Uh, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer was a, a pretty well received um, uh, serial killer movie. So there well, are, you you kind of you enjoy these. Don't I do, and no. I'm fascinated by serial killers. Yeah, uh, but I understand that this is I understand the hypocrisy within myself uh, because I'm fascinated by something that I think that we shouldn't really be talking about, and yet here I am talking about it and paying homage to it which i get and uh, there's something very un- there's unde- undeniably something hypocrite there's also something magnetic about it about the story and the concept yeah. it's such an of an awful horrible extremely wicked shockingly evil and vile thing to do uh we should say that's what the judge says yes at the end of the movie that's i was wondering what i was gonna pay off i know i know we're all holding our breaths waiting for that moment and sure enough he said those words yeah, yeah. all right so all right. I think it is anti-wave in that it's a movie about Ted Bundy. A studio movie would never green light that. It's not. Uh, it's not anti-wave. You got Zac Efron in it. Yeah, yeah. I also didn't like how jacked he was. He was like super ripped in this movie. Like uh, even though it, 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 he only had his shirt off a couple times, like there's Ted Bundy was not like going to the gym. Like yeah, yeah, no. Uh, yeah. He was like just a skinny dude. Mm-hmm. Um. There are some choices, I think, shifting from protagonist, which I don't even know if that's intentional, but I think that's the effect mm-hmm. that the film has. I think that's anti-wave. Uh, just from a filmic standpoint, it's it's anti-wave to have a side with a serial killer. I yes. guess Jeff, like yes. the Dahmer story also did that. Right. My Friend Dahmer, wasn't that the movie? Yes, that was the name of it. Uh, that also kind of had us side with a serial killer. That's pretty anti-wave. Or not side, but feeling compassion for. That was a protagonist. Yeah. 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 
And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I would say this is anti-wave. I think if I was going to score it, I'd probably say seven, seven and a half. I was going to say seven. I was yeah. say. Uh, my points, number one, it's a movie about a killer. A killer who we um, not identify with, but feel something for. Feel something for. That certainly mm-hmm. is anti-wave. I wrote down here and I'm... Well, I'm who can't identify with murdering a couple of women? I well, mean... hey. Well, they probably had it coming. Probably. Yeah, bitches. <laughs> Showing their tits yeah. and their legs and... <laughs> There is like something that. also the way parting their hair down the middle. <laughs> Come on, you yeah, know better than yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. How dare they part their hair down the middle, fuckers? Yeah, they deserved it, bitch. Um, at first, I wrote down nonlinear. So it's not nonlinear. I'm wrong. But there was something cool about the editing that just made it a little bit unique. It actually was nonlinear, sort of. Tell me because why at you the very beginning it. there was that scene of them uh, when they, uh, like, I think one of the first few shots is him sitting down in prison. And then it flashes right. back. Full so it is nonlinear yeah, right. in that yeah, sense. You're right. You're right. And um, yeah. And so if, it, and what's another point I was going to make that, well, the whole thing with, if indeed the wife, the girlfriend is the protagonist, and she gets closure at the end, which is not particularly anti-wave, right. which is not anti-wave. But again, the fact it's about a killer and it's, it's nonlinear. And um, now let's talk about and, that and real fast. Feel for Go, go, go. What? The hacksaw moment. I j- we just got through saying that the moment worked for us. Yeah. What if at the end when she's like, "What did this?" and he just said, "I don't know." Would it have been a better moment? Well, it'd be more anti-wave. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Without closure, no closure. Oh, I want to say. Okay, that's a great point you're bringing up. No, that's it. That's my question. Yeah. I also want to say that the fact there was no backstory and why he was the way he was makes it also anti-wave. anti-wave. Yeah. I can right. See it. Right. So those are my points why it's an anti-wave film, what I and d- I also came in around seven. Where You came around seven? Yeah, yeah same as you. Right? What I would argue of what makes it more traditional Hollywood is uh, they're, they're not showing a realistic depiction of Bundy. They're showing this fictionalized version of him being uh, this super suave. Uh, I mean, other moments too, when he first meets the girlfriend and he comes down, he comes over to her house, and they're going inside, and... You know, he meets the family for the first time, meets the daughter uh, of this girlfriend, and he's super accommodating and understanding and like, oh, yeah, why would I not want to be with you just because you have a daughter? No problem. He's very understanding and just totally understands social situations. He was on record many times saying he didn't understand why people were friends with other people. He didn't get it. Yeah, yeah, look, I'm interrupting you. Look how that they slept together in their first time that they were together. And then the next morning, the baby wasn't there. She goes in the kitchen and he's making pancakes. Right. And, uh, with a big knife in his hand. He's making all this stuff with the baby and he's being this incredible human being. Right. So, that, so I'm going to suggest that that's not true. Right. Yeah. It's, it, There's your I'm, example. That's inauthentic. Yeah. And, and again, this gets back to that same question... That same problem we talked about, that it molds perception of what's real right. and about how the movie uh, JFK, right. more people right. saw G- the movie JFK than read the Warren Report. So yes. it's molding reality. Yes. It's molding reality. And that's and my problem. shame on the irresponsibleness of the, the filmmakers to do this. That's it. Boom. Th- that's my whole problem yeah. with these kinds of yeah. films. Yeah. And I, I, I guess it makes me feel a little better that we're bringing this up at least while we're talking about the film. And I feel like uh, at least now, hopefully somebody's listening to this. And when you watch future films like this, you're taking that into consideration. Like what is the real backstory of this right, person? Right. And are we adding to this kind of uh, like hero worship of somebody who's um, 
It was a murderer. That's fucked up. He's making bacon and eggs and pancakes that first morning. Yeah. Huh. I'd like someone to do that for me. <laughs> You'll never get it. <laughs> you need a Ted Bundy. Is that what yeah. you're saying? Yeah. I need a Ted Bundy. I, I'd sleep with him to have a good <laughs> breakfast the next morning. <laughs> I have a good Ted Bundy. Thanks, producer Joey. You're the best Ted Bundy a guy could ever have. <laughs> All, All right. right. Good. What do you want to do now? Oh, should we do, the, if you're in the mood for the dead corner? Yeah, who died? i got to tell you, unfortunately, most of the following people, they done turn to dust. Just a few people. I put out a call, what was it, last week, the week before, we need more people in the industry to croak, so I'll have more to talk about. Uh, the few people we want to acknowledge, Bruce Bickford, I don't know if you're familiar with him. This guy, an American animator, 72, mm, he did Baby Snakes. Do you know who he is? They would show his work in a lot of film festivals. He, he worked with Frank Zappa. And a lot of Frank's, yeah. you know this. I knew you would know this guy. Frank Zappa, and they would take Frank's music, and this would be the visual stuff that would accompany it with the, with Vaguely, the videos. Yes. yes. I had a feeling. I bet Robert knows this guy. I don't. I wouldn't say I know him, but I know that name. And now that you're talking about Zappa, I was like, wasn't there an animator who kind of worked with him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's dead. Oh, cool. Uh, uh, John Moxie, 94-year-old British film director. John Moxie? Yeah, M-O-X-E-Y. What a name. I know, uh, Moxie. Uh, the City of the Dead, he did uh, Circus of Fear. He did those kind of B-movies and uh-huh. stuff and did quite a few of them. The Dead Corner, the Silver Spotlight Award goes to, this is going to hit home with you and many of our, of our listeners, <sighs> Chewbacca. Chewbacca? P- yeah, Peter. Peter Mayhew, 74-year-old English-American actor who was in Star Wars. He had a heart attack. Uh, he played the character in uh, the live-action appearances from the first one in 1977. What character? <laughs> What's the character? What's the character's name? Chewie. Chewbacca. What's Chewbacca. Chewbacca. I say Chewbacca. You say Baca. <laughs> I say Babaca. You say Babaca. <laughs> I've been working on that noise the whole time. Yeah, oh, that's the anyway, funniest thing you've ever said. Yeah, the Force Awakens up to that movie. Uh, I want to say that he modeled... Listen, this is some interesting stuff. He models performance. He, they went to the zoo, the London Zoo, and he watched bears, monkeys, and gorillas. And Lucas said to him that he was the closest any human being could to be a to bear, a... bear, monkey, gorilla? <laughs> no. The closest any human... <laughs> the closest any human being. No, he was a human being. Although he was very tall and he did suffer from a, a disorder. Yes. Uh, yeah, he had a physical disorder. Uh, Who's the closest yeah, to heart, what? I don't know. Oh, any human being good. To be a Wookiee with a big heart, gentle nature, and I learned to always oh, was, let him win. Okay. Oh, that was sweet. All right. All right. I want to say that... Wait, um, I have a story about him. I know you do. I get to, let me, okay, tell me the story. No, go ahead. Okay, I just want to finish there. The character did not have any lines. The sounds he made were done from recordings of animals. He played the role he went to hospitals and entertain the kids and so on i guess he was in a costume and i want to say that his peak height he was seven feet three inches tall you i That's met him story. you did meet him i did how do tell all right so uh when i was in high school there was a little tour and we had a little comic book store in town and uh there was a tour of let me see the guy who played darth vader in the suit the guy who played Chewbacca in the suit, the guy who played R2-D2 in the suit, and there was somebody else. There were four of them, I remember, and I can't remember who it was. Maybe C-3PO. Probably was C-3PO. They all four, they were doing like a tour, and you'd come in, and they'd sign whatever. And so there was a little line, but it was was Knoxville, Tennessee, so it wasn't a real long line. But we stood in line for a little while, and we showed up, and we got to meet them. And so we're waiting there for a while, and I'm like, all right. It's finally my turn, and I see you know the guy who plays Chewbacca, Peter Mayhew. He's huge. He's really yeah. tall. So 
I asked him, I said, can I just, because I'm a tall guy too, I'm six foot five. And I, I said, can I just measure my hand against your hand? And he got really upset with me. And he was like, no, this, I can't remember exact, his exact words, but I remember the sentiment of what he was saying was essentially, it's really insulting for you to ask me that. That's really rude. And I remember walking away going like, man, fuck that guy. Like, what an asshole. Just put your hand up and, and measure. I realize now yeah. this guy gets bombarded constantly because he can't hide. He's seven feet fucking tall. His fingers were deformed. They, they were. I saw pictures of it when I just... They were elongated. Yes. Yeah, they were elongated. Go ahead. And I, I didn't mean it like that. Yeah. I meant... I'm a tall guy. I just want to come. I want to put my hand in the foot in the in the you know the handprints in in the what's what do you, in the cement yeah, in front of Roman Chinese. the Chinese theater. I wanted to do that, but I had the living thing in front of me. Yeah. So let's just see how I measure up. That's kind of what I was doing. Maybe he was self conscious about his elongated fingers. Well, probably, but I think also part of what it was is I think he did how many conventions and saw. Thousands and thousands of people who were constantly asking who knows what. These fans from 1977 were probably going, can I have a lock of your hair? Can I smell your toe? It's like weird shit that people get into. And they're kind of taking it out on him because he was a part of this really uh, famous part in American film history. So I, I feel bad about asking him that i didn't really realize me saying that would have that kind of impact i didn't mean it rudely he took it rudely i think there might have been a better way for him to have handled it right he seemed like a little right. bit of a hothead but um yeah it was kind of a kind of a rude question i felt bad about it i was like you know i should really be more considerate when i think uh, when i ask about that kind of stuff you caused him a lot of angst that he had to live with for decades I think I ultimately was the, the cause of his death. His death, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think he's been considering that for some time, and probably heart attack or whatever. You know, what was it? Well, how did he die? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He's dead. Yeah, it's a you heart know, attack. It, it was. You know, originally he was supposed to be Darth Vader. He was cast as Darth Vader first. Oh, was he? Yes. Is that interesting? Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, at the last minute they switched it and made him. Do, yeah, I think that's what. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been trivia. That's quite a story. Hmm. Did yeah, you, there you go. Do you have a picture of him? Of his hand? I, took a picture I don't of his think hand. so. I think I have some something signed somewhere. Anyway, he's dead. Yeah, oh, cool. and Kirk Douglas is dead too. Nah, who cares about him? Yeah, okay, okay, cool. Uh, yeah. Um, no game this week, man. No game? No, We're I don't think so. We don't have a game this week. No, do, we? Okay. do we have a game? Is it next week? We oh, do? There is a game. See, she did it. Producer Joey. Joey's good. This computer's locked up. Do you want to unlock it? Hang on one second. Okay. We'll, let, let's filibuster for a minute, and um, let's see if producer Joey can get the game going for us. So hang on. Okay. I can do my Chewbacca again. What, do your Chewbacca. Ah! Right, that's please. not very good, is that, it? That's like your Adrian from Rocky. <laughs> yeah. Yo. Adrian! Do you think that's what that's what he was doing as he was trying to say Adrian? <laughs> Adrian! Um, All right. We're going to have a game. We're going to do a game. And then... Um, and then top five. And then top five. This is going to be interesting with the top five. Okay. Okay, let's go. The battery died. All right. You know what? No game this Oh, week. no we'll game? The battery died? Yeah, fuck it. Hmm. We'll do a game next week. Next week. Let's do top five. Top five and hit it, Vern. It's time to give a listen, you little creeps, to our top five. Okay, our top five this week is top five escape movies. Escape movies. Wow. I'm wondering, how, did, I'm wondering if you did, first of all, are we going to overlap? And question number two, you know, no, I, think I know what your number one is. Yeah, well, 
do you, I try to fool you though. This time uh, I might have done a double whammy on you. I did I, you define? I really escape? tried to. I did. Well, I don't I think tried I tried to think out of the box. I did too. I tried to to come up with some movies that were really good that we haven't mentioned before. Yes, because I feel like we've gotten. A, I could very easily put Road Warrior as number one yet again. Yeah. I love that movie. And, and look, the great escape. escape. Well, that's not your number one. You think I would stoop so low? Yes, Robert. Robert. Really? Robert, you'll find out. Is Attack of the 50-Foot Woman on there? I love that movie. <laughs> All right, why don't you go first? I'm going to go first? Yeah. All right, here we go. Uh, I'm defining escape in my first numbers, rankings number five and four, a little bit broad, but this, I, I escaping from the Sahara Desert. I'm talking about Fly to the Phoenix. I love that movie. The first one? Both. Robert, did we talk? about this i don't I think we have loved that movie i saw it in a theater when it first came out i'm talking about the original one 1965 right. and that movie had jimmy stewart uh it had richard attenborough was in mm-hmm. it and of course ernest borgnine was in it and and or george kennedy of course <laughs> he had to be in that movie and it was really a well done movie it holds up it does and i did some research on it it was a box office disaster was it really yes they said years later it was embraced almost a cult status but initially when it came out it was a huge disappointment and they escaped they escaped from the uh from the desert i didn't know you were necessarily a fan of that movie it's great i still remember with those firing those pistons they only had five four three of them left and we find out that the supposed engineer who designed this makeshift airplane where they had to lay down on the wings for it to take off that he was a designer of airplanes all right of toy airplanes right and and said well it's the same thing they're aerodynamic and stuff it was really a nifty movie. I'm glad you it, saw it. And A lot of the stuff from that time period, and I know I'm talking about films that you really like, but yeah. a lot of it doesn't hold up. The acting style is too different compared to today's modern acting styles. Uh, cool Hand Luke is an exception to that. I feel like Cool Hand Luke holds up pretty well. Yes, yes. But this movie also holds up really well. Yeah. And it's, I really, I've always liked simple concept movies uh, I, I think that's what I like about escape movies is there's a real clear problem to overcome. They're in prison or something like that. Okay, we got to design a way to get out of here. How do we get out? Things like that. I love movies like that. And and this is a really great example. I, I also seem to recall there's a little bit of tension amongst the guys, but I don't think they full-on fought. Did they fight amongst themselves? Maybe no, they did a little no, bit. No, but there was a scene of reconciliation near the end. Yeah. They did have that at the very I end. I, I've said but, this before about like zombie movies. I don't think you really need to fight with each other because the outside forces are enough. Right. And I actually, I think in those real life situations, I don't think there would be that much fighting. I think there would be, what are we going to do? They'd be complaining maybe, but it wouldn't be fighting. I think people, I think writers are injecting that fighting so that there's drama more, more inner conflict and but you don't inner really conflict. need it yeah yeah i think the story enough yeah. of like how do we get this thing done did you you saw both versions oh yeah too. i like both versions yep. i like the newer one too yeah i yeah. don't think the new new one's bad i think mm-hmm. it's pretty good mm-hmm. that's cool that's good i'm glad that's you're a great a film that's my wonderful number five. Pick. that's my no- thank you Robert. all right all right my movie is from 2015 and i think you've seen it room have you seen room no room is about a do you know what's about no. It's about a girl. It's set, it, it's two parts. The first half is a girl who's been kidnapped, um, and she and her son are living in this room. Her son has only lived in this room forever. Like her son is like three or five, four or five years old, something like that. And it's 
her son from her kidnapper. So the kidnapper has kidnapped this girl, um, like she was a teenager, and has kept her in this shed, basically, her for the past four or five years, and she's even given birth in this shed to this kid that she's raised entirely in this room. And it's all about them trying to escape. And uh, so she gets the kid to... Uh, she convinces her captor that the kid is sick, and he takes the kid out, and the kid is able to escape and alert authorities and they come rescue her and then second half of the movie is her kind of readjusting to life outside of the room she's been in this room for so long and the kid has always known life to be inside the room so now he's trying to adapt to a new life is this somewhat contemporary is it yeah 2015 yeah and in particular what's really interesting about it i to me one of my big money shots is when she comes back to her old room uh, in her house, and it's got all these like uh, pop posters of like you know dancers and things like that, like in uh, sync or whatever. And it's it's clearly what was important to her then. And she's a woman now, and she's looking in this room like this is a little girl's room, and none of this shit is important. Like I've got a son, and she goes through depression and and you know a lot of guilt hmm. issues. It's really a very interesting film. No, oh. I think you'd like it. I do you like it a lot. Do you have it? I don't. Yeah. Room. Room. What do you got? What's number four? Number four. And again, this is an escape movie. We've spoke about it before. You spoke about it more often. Misery. Misery. Misery is an escape movie. 1999. James Conn. You know, I Kathy Bates won the Oscar for that. Yeah, did she you? did. I forgot she won the Oscar for that. I, you know, I think we've probably put Misery on our lists more than any other movie. <laughs> it's a great film. It is a great film. It is a great film. And I keep on forgetting that Rob Reiner directed it. Yeah. I, just, I just forget that all the time. It's yeah. so but, well put yeah. together. Yeah. Yeah. It's great performances. James Conn is really good in it, yes, too. Yes, he's very good. He gets overshadowed by, uh, by What's-Her-Nose so much, but he's really good. Yeah. 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 And Kathy of course, Bates. he escapes. Yeah, it's an escape movie. It's a great. That's, my that's a great one too. Thank you. Wow. From 2002, I like the modern remake of The Count of Monte Cristo. I. It's my scoop. Go Is ahead. it? Yep. It's a great film. It's a great movie. The it's new one. The, the newer one, right? 20, 2002. Not yep. new, but there were some older ones as well. But that's a really great film. It's a real good movie. It's the solid. Photography. It's, yeah. it's almost like an old-fashioned yes. movie. It feels it's, like an old-fashioned it's movie. It's dark too. Yeah. I like the darkness to it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, great cast also. Cazell, uh, what's his last name? Cazelle. James Cazell. Yeah, Jim Cazell. Um, even Richard Harris has a small part in it. Yeah. It's 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 a solid movie. I saw it in the theater when it first came out. So did I. Robert. I don't think I've seen it since then. I'd I'd be curious to see how that holds up. I just remember it uh, really well. But Alexander yeah. Dumas. All right, what's your number yeah. three? Nice, nice. No, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, on, I'm on number three here. Okay. I think we spoke about this one time, and it's it's. I'll give you a hint. Nineteen seventy nine, uh, Clint Eastwood stars in it. Seminar. He did not direct it, and uh, his buddy did. Don Siegel. They worked together on a lot of movies together. And uh, Escape from Alcatraz. Escape from Alcatraz. It's a good movie. Yeah. yeah, it's a solid. I just rewatched that. Mo- recently. I know you did. Yeah. You spoke about it a few weeks ago. It's a solid. I think you did it in the Week in Review segment. Yeah. We talked about it, and I saw it again recently too on TV, and it, it just holds up. Yeah. And by the way, you know I'm obsessed with the TV show The Prisoner with Patrick McNewen. Well, this is ironic because he plays the part of the warden, so now he's on the other side. Uh, Patrick. When did the McNewen. Prisoner come out? The uh, sixty-six and sixty-seven and sixty-eight. 
How many episodes are there? Uh, 18, 17 one-hour episodes. 17 yes, one-hour. Does it conclude yes, at the end? Yes, they give you an ending episode, which is really trippy, and I had a hard time with it in 1967. Now, older as an adult, I can go back and say this is fucking brilliant. It's flawed. It's a flawed finale, but it's really smart. So how does it end? Spoil it. Okay, are you ready? Yeah. In the village, everybody's in this village because they know too much. Yeah. They know too much information. It answered that question, what do we do with people in our government who know too much when they want to retire, when they want to quit, when they're pissed off at their government? This is a sci-fi series which answers it in a very trippy way. Everyone's put in the village. You become a number. You're stripped of your name, your identification. They can't let you roam free because the, quote, bad people will get a hold of you. Our hero, Patrick McGowan, who wrote, produced, directed, and starred in the series, um, uh, put the, it was his so it was Sir Lou Grade I am not I'm a number the, yes that's the famous line I'm not a number I'm a free man who's number one who's number one who's number one that's what all 17 episodes dealt with he was always dealing with number two number two who's number one who runs the village finally in the ending episode he sees number one he's got a big one on his chest number one is wearing a mask our hero, number six, Patrick McGowan, walks up to him and rips the mask off his face, and Patrick McGowan is looking at himself. Mm. Now, that's heavy shit for me when I was 20 years old. But now You're I get You're stoned it. out of your mind. <laughs> <laughs> we put up the walls around us. We're responsible for the situation. You can't blame it on society. It's the choices we make. The whole thing is a glorious uh, allegory. It's, a, it's an extended metaphor. And it was the music, the cinematography, everything about it. At any rate, this was Patrick. McGuinness How was baby. the ending received? People were really upset in London. They actually went to Patrick's home and threw tomatoes at his apartment. Really? Yes, at his flat. He had to move. He had to relocate. Eventually, he came to Santa Monica to live there. People were so upset with his trippy ending. What the fuck is this? He's looking at himself? What are you saying? He was number one all along? How can that be? People weren't getting it. It's a real smart series. Huh. Yeah. At any rate. So... Here he played the warden. He was on the other side. And he was very An escape good. from Alcatraz. Yeah, an escape from Alcatraz. He was very good in that role. It was just a really solid movie. Escape from Alcatraz, my number three. All right. <clears throat> my number three is from 1985. I might have talked about it once or twice. Uh, it's a movie starring... Um, uh, oh, fucking... What's his... Okay. Julia Roberts' brother. What's his name? Yeah, um, um, oh, um, Roberts, his last name. Yeah, we know that Mr. Uh, Kirk with a K. No. Is there a K in there? No. So with the letter, uh, Kirk, um, producer Joey? No. All right. She's dealing with yeah, baby cannon. Yeah. Uh, Runaway Train. Did you ever see Runaway Train? I love that movie. With yeah. John Voight. John Voight. John Voight is... Runaway Train, there was the snow plow... There's two. Yes. There's the snow plow... What's that Piercer. called? Snow, snow Piercer. I love that movie. And That's Runaway good. Train is a, is a fucking movie. Yes. It's a movie. Yes. Go ahead, talk. Dude, we're on fire tonight. We are on fire tonight. Who needs I a love, game? I love Just this. the top five. Yeah. Yeah, man. This movie kicks so much ass. It does. It's Danny Trejo's uh, actual uh, uh, cinematic debut as well. Uh, it should be noted. I was just talking about this before. As I remember the legend, he uh, Danny Trejo was a... Um, he just got out of prison. Do you know Danny Trejo? He's the... Uh, I'll show yeah. you a picture and okay, you'll know okay. who he is. But Danny Trejo had just gotten out of prison and he uh, was going to AA meetings uh, and he had a friend who got a role in this movie and they were like, why don't you come along? They need bad looking dudes. <gasps> and they grabbed him and they said, hey, do you want to be in this uh, in this fight? And he goes, uh, yeah, sure. And he did this fight scene and 
it, he's totally memorable from the fight scene. He got a, a bunch more roles and everything else. This is Danny Trejo. I know who that is. Yeah, I know who that is. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's yeah, always yeah. the bad guy. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, yeah. He, 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 but he's actually a really sweet guy. He's really uh, a, a, a nice guy, I think. But he's uh, he's great in this movie. And so is uh, what's his name Roberts, Mister Roberts. Why I can't, can't we think of his first name? God, know. that's bothering me. I'll, I'll look it up. Okay, and but, and, but John Voight John Void on. Uh, we've said this before. Awesome. He's underappreciated. Yes, he is underappreciated. I think he's one of the greatest actors. I do out too. There. I do too. And he's not getting that notoriety. Yep, he's respected, but not the way he should be. Uh, all right, you're looking at Robert. I loved Runaway Train. Uh, all right, all so right. Runaway. Yeah, Eric, Eric Roberts, Eric Roberts, Eric did it. Wow. And Rebecca De Mornay was in there. Forgot she about was? that. I got to rewatch that movie. It's been too long. Wow, well, that'd be fun to see again. Runaway Train. It's a fucking movie. It's, it's great. You know what I mean when I say that, it's don't beautiful. you? Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. That's great. That's All right, great. there you go. All right, now my number two, and again, I'm being. We've talked about it before, but how can I not mention it? we're talking about favorites? Escape movie. How can I not include Shawshank Redemption? Yeah, I, I had to put it down here. You know, Tim Robbins and um and um, what's his name, Freeman. 1994. What's his, name? Uh, What's his first Morgan, name? Morgan. Eric. Eric Freeman. Eric, Eric Freeman. <laughs> uh, Morgan. And um, yeah, I like the way you go, uh, Andy. Uh, Andy Dufresne. <laughs> That's my number. Enough said Andy about Dufresne, that. It's, just, it's a hell Dufresne. of a movie. That, that too, it fits that category of one of those movies that when it's on TV, all right, yeah. I'll just watch the first 12 minutes. I got things to do. You get hooked you all in. over again. You can't turn it off. And that's one of those films that fits It really that. is. Yep. It's a great example of yep. that. Yep. All right, my number two is a movie I don't think I've talked about on this podcast before, but it's another prison escape movie, very similar to Shawshank Redemption. Uh, only instead of it being in Shawshank, this time it's in Mexico. It's from 2012, starring my boy, Mel Gibson, Get the Gringo. Have you seen this movie? Never heard of it. So this is when he kind of came back after the whole ordeal that was going on with him, and um, well, you and mean he, those anti-Semitic comments that he made? Well, yeah, and then uh, I remember he got in trouble as well. Like right after that, maybe a couple years later, he was back in the news with his uh, fiance or wife who That's recorded right. him without That's his knowledge right. when That's he was right. talking about getting raped yeah. and yeah. stuff like that. And yeah. was, he was letting out all sorts of racial stuff, yeah. and he kept getting recorded by people in secret. And I think they were doing it because he probably was just going off in the privacy of his own home. But I, who knows what people say behind closed doors right. that isn't getting recorded. I'm sure this guy spews out a lot. But uh, anyway, you can make a great action film. And this is one of them. Uh, Get the Gringo is uh, it's a, it's my number two. It's a really great film where he is in a Mexican prison and he's trying to get out and cross the border back into America. It's a good one. It's it's a it's a great Mel Gibson movie. I mean, wow. it's like it's a fun. Uh, he's he's always like getting beat up, and uh, somebody put together. I don't know if I told you about this. Somebody put on YouTube. I'll send it to you. It's a all it is is it's a it's like twenty minutes long of every scene of Mel Gibson from all of his movies getting punched and beaten up. <laughs> it's fucking unreal. Oh no, it's him grunting. And then him, like making funny noises, and he, I don't think he says one word the whole time. He just gets punched that and, is so funny. and beaten and grunting and kicked, and it's like, oh my gosh, this is every fucking movie. It's hilarious. I'll send it to you. I'd it's, like to see that. It's worth. It's like seventeen minutes long, That's and it's very funny. It's compelling funny. the entire time. That's very funny. Anyway, go nice. ahead. What's your number? Uh, number one. Nine. Number one. Do you really think 
that I no no no. Let me give you a hint. Boom 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 boom. Oh, a River Kwai? No, that was doo 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 doo. Oh, that's right. No, no. You know what? It's not the great escape. What is it? I'm thinking out of the box here. And it was breaking my heart because you know and our listeners know how I'm quite obsessed with that movie. And I think it or The Graduate are my top two favorite movies of all time. I am putting down for my number one. Either we're going to look for me right now or you're going to like. Why can I not position? I, I can't figure this out. I, I know. I know. But here's a big hint. It's a stop action animation. And I want to say to you, Robert, that is the highest grossing stop action animation film ever made. And I'm also going to tell you that Mel Gibson, yet again, is one of the voices. Chicken Run. Yes. And it is an homage to The Great Escape. And that's my way of wiggling around. And I came up with this movie. You know I, what? I like that. I, I, I want it because I'm so predictable at times. I know that yeah. with The Great Escape. And I want to say that I, I looked it up. I did a lot of research on it this afternoon. And obviously, it's it's an homage to The Great Escape and other World War II breakout, including Stylog 17 and so on. In right. fact, on one of the bungalows on the farm, there's a 17 on it. So they're acknowledging... Other movies, but primarily it is The Great Escape. The music, the opening fanfare is like that. Uh, the many escapes. We have one character who tries to escape underground, overground, all these different ways, and always ends up, Robert, in solitary confinement. And when our hero is in solitary confinement, what does the chicken do? It throws a ball against the wall. Yeah. It, it's, a, it's cabbage, but they're doing the same thing. They're saluting that famous scene, of course, with, with Steve McQueen. There are shots, literally angles, that were taken from The Great Escape. There's little snippets of dialogue taken from The Great Escape. So this is my, and it is indeed, Chicken Run is an escape film. I should say that these chickens are on a farm. Instead of the farmer selling eggs, they're selling chickens for chicken pies. So they got to bust out of there. And that's what the movie's about. It's really the greatest, but I'm putting down Chicken Run as my number one choice for a favorite escape movie. Nicely Boom. done. Thank Nick you. Park is amazing. Wallace and Gromit, all of those. You are, know about Wallace. Of, of course you know about Wallace. Yeah. And yeah. Nick The Park, same creator. Yeah, Nick you Park. You know all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he, he just does such an outstanding job of making his characters come to life. Great. Nicely done, Ira. Thank you. Thank you. My number one is a movie that I've talked about a couple of times, but I don't bring up enough. And I, I think serious... Um, Film goers would scoff at this movie, but it's a it's really well crafted and it made me feel something. I I really felt very tense and on the edge of my seat uh, for a movie from 2015 called No Escape, and it's with Owen Wilson, and it was his family that is I think they just moved to um, a, a Southeast Pacific. Um, country uh, like Thailand or something like that. They were there and they're kind of exploring the city. And uh, while they're there, maybe they're in a hotel, whatever it was, they, there's a riot that breaks out and his family is caught up in this uh, this political overthrow and they start just killing everybody who uh, has, has wealth. And of course, as white people, they can't really hide. And they're trying to run away from these people who are taking over the hotel that they're in and they're trying to uh, get to another building and try to get out. There's no escape. And it's a really great example of what I was talking about earlier. I didn't even realize it until just now. But it's a great example of how the family works together. There's no real big infighting. It's, look, there's enough enough of a problem going on with these people trying to kill us that we don't have to fight with ourselves. Let's work together. Let's get our family out of this situation and let's go. Mm. 
It's a it's a really it great be. nonstop. Uh, it's a, kind of a chase movie, but they're trying to escape out yeah. of this hotel, and it's um, man, it's good. I really no like escape. that film. Is that what? What? When did that come out? About twenty fifteen. Yeah, so just a few years ago. It's yeah. not that old. Yeah, nice. I mean, of yeah. course, extras. You got some extras. We I'm got sure some you scoops. Do you have yeah. a few? Should I go? I, I'm Papillon. I saw that the first right. one. Yeah, in the Papillon's theater, great. Escape and um, and also I put down uh, what did I put down? The Count of Monte Cristo, as you know. Yeah. Uh, even Poseidon Adventure. Yeah. They're escaping. They're escaping. Yeah. I was it's thinking Towering Inferno. Um. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. I'm surprised you did not include my friend, Cool Hand Luke. I thought about it. I really thought about it. Um, and you know, another film that I thought about was United 93. Oh. Where they're trying to escape out of the plane. Yeah. But they never escape. So I wasn't sure if that was really an yeah. escape movie. Yeah. So I was kind of. That, uh, that was the 9 11. 9 11. Yeah. Yes, uh, I put on uh, uh, from 2009 A Prophet, which is a foreign film about a, um, a guy in a French prison. And uh, and he's trying to escape. That was that was a really good film. The Island. Do you did you ever see that? I With, never saw it. I think you. I, I think I've got it. You would like it. It's a, it's a, kind of. I think it's Bruckheimer, if I'm not mistaken. But it's definitely a one of those kinds of big films. But it it actually works. Uh, some of the stuff like Transformers to me is too much. Right, it's too complicated. Right. And too, uh, when I say too complicated, I mean. It's trying to hit every button all the time, constantly, and and as such, I know I don't I can't even follow the plot anymore because it's everything is lost in, in special effects. Yeah, you know, well, it's overkill. Yeah, and this is not this right. is not overkill. Uh, it's it's where big budget actually serves the story pretty well. Um, the Running Man. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nineteen eighty-seven, The Running Man, and Escape Plan. I really like watching Sylvester Stallone and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. They were uh, in an Escape Plan. They were both prisoners, and I think one of them had designed the prison that they had to get out of, or something like that. Huh. It, was, it was cool. They had to work together to get out. So uh, this is a handful. Of course, you got movies like Escape from New York, Escape from L.A. Right. Uh, so the, you got a lot of those kind of films. Basically, any movie with the word Escape in it. Yeah. Nice. Any other scoops from you? That's it. I have no more scoops. Hey, man. This was good. That was a lot of this fun. This was fun, wasn't it? Didn't do the great escape, my number mm. one. I did. I'm proud of you for not doing I, I, that. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Chicken you know run. what? Chicken run. Both of us this resisted the urge to put our favorite films yes. in. Yes. Good for us. Yeah. Hey, well, let's suck each other's dicks. Can we start now? Mm, I'm going to suck my own. Okay. All right. Hey, man. Uh, if anybody else has any escape movies that we didn't mention, feel free to reach out to us through email. You can do that at Robert and or and slash or Ira at antiwavepodcast.com. Or you can reach out to us through Twitter or Instagram. Our handle there is at antiwavepod. That's right. We're all over the place, aren't we, Robert? We try to be. You can find us on iTunes. We're on Stitcher, Google Play. Just go. We're on we're at Podbean. Mm-hmm. Just go to our website. Uh, or you can throw us a few bucks and keep the sprocket holes moving over at Patreon. That's always good. Yeah. yeah. Hey, let's thank producer Joey for doing a good job. Joey! She did a good job of keeping the baby quiet and uh, yeah. making a game and the batteries died. So <laughs> we'll, we'll get that next week. Uh, what else we got? Oh, oh movie what, for next week. What are we doing next week, Next Robert? week we're going to watch The Professor and the Madman. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, we're getting yeah. Mel Gibson. Mel again. Yeah. Mel, yeah. A lot of Mel talk on yeah. this yeah. this episode and, uh, and last couple episodes. So... Yeah, Mel's coming back, but it's going to be interesting because he and Sean Penn, and we know politically these guys are on wow. the opposite end of the spectrum, but they're willing to put aside their political differences just and to make, make a art. movie. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So I'm excited to see this one. Me too. Professor and the Madman. So we'll be talking about that next week. Cool. 
anything else to forget anything? I think we summed it up. Yeah. What do you want to do now? Let's mm. do something. Let's go, Let's go bowling. Rape women and cut their heads off. Yeah, my kind of guy. All right. Well, until then, keep, <laughs> keep watching movies. And we'll help you sort them out. Ow! Hey there, little red riding hood. <laughs>